And there he is. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, Hot 16's crowd? What's going on? We're back for another installment with your host, AJ Tanner. And today's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a learning. Today we're about uh, learning. I encourage everyone <laughs> to get out their notebook and their pen and pencil because uh, today we have a very fun guest. And this is a close friend of mine, someone I've had the great privilege of knowing for a few years now. <clears throat> Maintained a great re- uh, relationship. Sorry, excuse me. Um, and we're actually going to be diving into the world of history. And we are bringing on a um, very smart individual that I had the opportunity of uh, running across at the Porter Meadows of UC Santa Cruz. And well, now here we are college graduates, podcast hosts, and much more. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest today to the show. No other than Marcelo Lomeline. Marcelo, go ahead and tell the Hot 16's audience who you are, buddy. What's up? What's up? Hello, Hot 16's audience. Uh, what's up, AJ? It is a pleasure to yeah, what's be on up, this buddy? show. What's up? Yeah, hey, thank you for uh, doing this. I'm really glad that you were uh, willing to uh, do this and step out the box a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, doing a little something different. And uh, thanks for the invite. Thanks for even uh, thinking of me. I oh, well, no, definitely. I, um, I'm, a, I'm a proud friend. Um, you, uh, you just recently got your master's degree, um, from, was it Arizona state, correct? Yes. ASU, Arizona state. Yeah. So Marcelo, he just obtained a master's degree from uh, Arizona state university. Um, very, very smart young man. He's got a, he's got a good passion. He's got a good drive to want to be like, how would you say it? Like, uh, kind of a voice for who? Um, a voice. I don't see, I don't want to be anybody's voice. Yeah. So what are you what are you trying to obtain with the degree that you just recently obtained? Yeah. So I just uh, I just got my master's in justice studies. Um, So when most people hear that, they assume it's something to do with like uh, criminal justice. And a lot of people say, oh, you want to be a you want to be a cop like your dad or whatever. Oh, you want to be a lawyer. And shout out to Marcelo's dad, one of the coolest (laughs) cops you'll ever meet. Hands down. That's facts. But um. Yeah, and, and my response is, you know, not not necessarily, um, because w- with my degree, so I'm basically just trying to just create some sort of positive change in the world, you know, so, and that and that begins in small conversations and big conversations like this, and yes. uh, and through through very big actions as well. But, Definitely, Marcelo. That that so you're not trying to on the criminal aspect but just like being like just like approaching would you say things in the criminal justice that are are not was uh, not criminal what was the justice degree again so it's a justice studies so my 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 focus was uh particularly environmental justice there we go and uh, go ahead and uh, touch on that for the audience with environmental justice in your degree yeah so environmental justice is basically the concept that um that BIPOC communities, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, queer communities are and continue to be historically and continue to be uh, the brunt of to receive the brunt of a lot of environmental disasters, Um, whether that be through like uh, smog output, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in in urban spaces. If you look at that, it's almost always uh, brown or black or uh, working class, poor are under under resourced communities um 
that are getting the the more ad like the effects of what we're putting out into the ecosystem. One thousand percent, one thousand percent. So if you look at asthma rates, asthma rates are are just uh, there's a stark difference between yes between the white and Asian populations, and then uh, alternatively, you know. So say for instance, like if we were to compare, and if we were to get stats, um, then you were to compare, say, my neighborhood out here in the Norwalk kind of downy area compared to say Anaheim Hills the asthma rate where I live would be substantially higher than Anaheim Hills? Most likely, most likely. But so, and we can, can, we can take this back even further. So if you look back at like when industrialization was kind of like coming into the forefront uh, and we can think of like modern industrialization with like uh, the Ford factory system, right? So basically- yeah, that's, around a good, that's a good way to start. Yeah, yeah. That's an easy place to start. Basically the turn of the century, uh, this factory mindset in which, uh, you know, you do one action- for for the entire day and uh you know you're you're screwing this one bolt on for 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 your for your entire shift yeah that's that's just the same concept as anything nowadays it's all quick like amazon or anything you know right right but that but that was relatively novel at the time well Uh, it was uh, in the eyes of the world and i guess you could you say progression it was we didn't know what the uh long-term effects of this was going to be and logistically looking at it it was a more logistical more economical way of production during that time yeah i i think um efficient um in terms efficient of would be uh, the word to use there yeah I yeah can for like uh, more from the capitalist perspective you know uh the amount of labor that goes into the production of a product that can be sold was minimized uh the amount of time that went into a product that can be sold so are you, would you would you directly or not blame but would you put a lot of that towards the ford motor company for really showing the world hey you can do this task and you can do it way quicker if you set it up like this would ford kind of be the the not the leader but a little responsible for how we industrialize and how we mass produce things today i think that would be kind of like a huge indictment against the ford company itself henry ford um, and I, I don't. I believe that he wasn't even the one to actually come up with a streamlined process of industrial production. I believe he, one of his foremen or, or, or uh, like managers, kind of came up with this, and he, of course, took the credit. But um, you know, and I, well, that that's the same thing as uh, McDonald's with the whole speedy system and how. Uh, I, was, I, yes, yes, yeah. and, and see, and that's that's why. That's why I don't think it would be appropriate to to put that on Henry Ford himself or, or, or even the foreman who think it th- thought of the idea. But there he, was a few groups during that time. I mean, you still had I mean, you had more than automobiles being mass produced during the Industrial Revolution. Of course, of course. You had, steel, you had a lot. Yeah, you had so much being mass produced for the first time in a great quantitative amount. Yeah. And um, so if if you are, tar- you know, searching for for somewhere to put the blame it's it's not necessarily on any company it's not necessarily on any any actor in particular but you want to look at the thought process right you want to look at the the logic that that goes behind whether it be the ford industry whether it be the fast food industry with mcdonald's though the very concept is the extraction of labor at the most efficient rate and this yeah. has no this has no regard to the workers. This has no regard to the laborers. This is all about the products and their consumption, right? 
And so that's the basic concept. And that's the driving force for efficient, exploitative production. And then, and then it makes their pockets deeper. And then it's just a you know, trickle effect where it goes on for years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, it's, um, this, is the so, type of, this is the type of thought process that really fuels our modern logics. The, the, the way that we perceive modern transactions and the way that we perceive what we are entitled to or not entitled to. Yeah, so um, would you kind of say, though, this is this is this kind of falls back on the original question of with the uh, the environmental justice. It's kind of looking at it like, how can I use this and not let this get worse, or how can I prevent this from happening in the future? Yeah, we'll see. That's the thing is they they're not looking at the future, uh, and if they are, they're looking at um, increased dollar profits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, increased production, increased efficiency, uh, expansion, uh, growth, and the, you know the, these are fundamental concepts of the capitalist logic. Definitely. Um, and the concern is not of the environment. The concern well, is it's never. It's first. never a monopolization. Any company with that monopolization, they're never thinking about progression of life or humanity they're just thinking about themselves and okay well i know i'm gonna die so fuck everybody after that exactly exactly so so i mean it may have occurred to them i mean it, there was groundbreaking research in the 60s and 70s that was showing yes. That's uh, the same the thing c- co2 emissions are causing massive damage greenhouse yes. gases are causing significant damage you know that that prompted uh Oh, I forget her name, um, but she wrote Silent, Silent Spring, in which, yeah. you know, like, uh, God, I can't believe I'm spacing on her name. But yeah. Was, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, was this Silent Spring, was that a book that you had to read when you, uh, when you were obtaining this degree? So I did, I did not read that book, but uh, I did, uh, was taught about the book and, and the, the social impact that it had as, uh, and, you know, just the potential future in which there, you know, their life. Well, it's, it just kind of falls change. back even to where you're, when you compare climate and, and global change with that right there in the sixties and seventies, in the sixties, people were saying cigarettes gave you throat cancer. Right. Right. It's kind of the same like thing where the bigger companies are afraid that if the truth comes out, well, there goes all their money. You know, like there's still going to be a demand for that product. Not everyone's going to put you out the back door, but you know, that's just, it's very unfortunate that corporate greed has led to the pretty much the destruction of this planet. Yeah. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. Um, and, and that, so with this, there's been a lot of recent, um, climate change uh, events right Dude, i would say like right now what we're experiencing in southern california it was 113 degrees the other day at my house and you live in arizona you live near phoenix yeah and i i mean you grew up in los angeles and i already know that when it gets over 110 and you're only like a few miles away from the ocean that's kind of concerning it's crazy like it literally the other day i was going to go to the nfl kickoff uh uh, concert for Jay Balvin. I didn't go simply for the fact of the matter. It was 104 on the beach in Long Beach. Fuck. I mean, yeah, that's nice, but I'm not going to go and drink all day in 104 degree heat. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like 80. 
that's crazy. Yeah. So that was, that was a little thing. I just, you know, like right now, like this freak, like we just had, we just got three quarters to an inch of rain from yesterday into today in LA. And then we just came out of a hundred to 112 degree heat. And then, yeah. so pretty much what they're saying though, since you're talking about environmental, you know, justice and all that, I've been doing my own research and I've been reading and seeing that with climate change and the such the unusual weather patterns that right now the atmosphere is drumming up a mega storm for California in the next year or two. Really? Yeah. In terms of like, see, that's the thing that kind of gets me is because with everything I've learned in terms of like the world and changing and all that, I've learned that climate change, there's more intense storms. There's more rain. There's more water. Well, why is Lake Mead drying up? Where's all this water that you said is going to come from all this climate change? We need it more than ever. Where the hell is it? But the thing is, is we haven't had these storms. And I can adhere to this because when I was younger, growing up north in Northern California, bro, dead ass, we'd be getting 70 to 110 inches of rain in my town every winter. That's nuts. And and then all of a sudden, like 2005, 2006, when the drought really started to kick up out that way, up into that part of the states, and started, it just, like, you get 30 to 40 inches now. I literally, my dad has ICOs with the rainfall totals between 70 and 115 inches when I was a little boy in the late 90s, dude. Wow. And, like, those storms have not happened here in a long time. And I feel like what I have been seeing is accurate. I think we're going to have an insane amount of snow come down on the ground. We're going to have more dust storms. We're going to have more rain. We're going to have more freaky, unusual weather patterns to come if we don't fucking straighten shit up quick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's facts. Um, And it is facts. And that's the thing that scares me is because like, for instance, I I had shared with um, my family that, okay, I took a course in 2014 about hybrid and alternative fuel. And I learned real quick that batteries, electric car batteries, are worse for the environment than driving a carbon emission vehicle. Really? It's the, you can't recycle them. It's a nickel metal hydride battery. They're nickel metal hydride and they're not lithium ion. We can recycle lithium ion. We have massive amount of batteries, Duracell. All your batteries are lithium ion. Your yeah, cell phone, yeah. your computer. Well, Electric cars are nickel metal hydride. And I will share today the reason why they're nickel metal hydride is because some of the first electric cars built in the 90s came with lithium ion batteries. Those lithium ion batteries cannot withstand over 132 degrees Fahrenheit operating. So they start sending the first gen Priuses over to Afghanistan and Iraq and they start the batteries start exploding. Oh, my God. And because if you've ever heard of the computer that catches fire inside a car and it got left inside a hot car yeah lithium ion expands it has a very very low melting point so they did research and they found that when you take nickel metal hydride and you combine those elements together it has a little bit higher of a melting point it's still low but it's 152 degrees before it expands the hottest record ever recorded on earth is death valley in the 1910s of 134 degrees so they were able to scientifically make these compounds and build this battery but it's in series parallel and what it takes to mine these raw metals out of africa and tanzania and the child labor that is going dude it's fucked and it's fucked and then california let's put the cherry on top on this one we're talking about environmental stuff okay california just passed this thing or they did that thing where um 
Gavin Newsom said they're not going to sell any more gas powered cars after right. year 20. OK, well, what's the, the next day? What do they ask everyone to do? To uh, reduce use less your energy. use of electricity on your power grid. OK, uh, how are you charging your electric car? And also all houses built after like 2019, they all have to have an electric charging station assembled in the garage in the state of California in order to be built and brought up to code. Yeah. So how how does that make any damn sense that you have taken away the right in a few years to buy gas powered vehicles here? And then you're telling us we have a strained electric system that might fail. Well, well, let's be honest. That's 13 years in the future, right? Yeah, that's 13 years. And I'm not defending it because, in my opinion, uh, transitioning towards electric vehicle future still depends upon individual vehicles, individual consumption and individual reliance on companies uh, that provide electrical car services, right? Rather than incredibly accessible, incredibly efficient public transportation in which only those who really need vehicles would have vehicles, right? That's what I'm saying. You know, like I've seen like two, they're trying to do electric, uh, electric semi trucks and whatnot. Yeah. I've been, I've walked around the streets and I've been seeing a few of them. I mean, yeah, they're quiet as hell, but damn dude, I look at the back, the battery literally is the size of that, the height of the semi truck. Yeah. It's like in the back part of it, dude. The things that's like, crazy. I've never seen an electric uh, semi truck. Yeah, Penske and UPS. They got a few of them out here. There's UPS, and then there's um all the because we got a lot of industry around here. We got all these like movers. They're like um they just move shipping containers from warehouse to warehouse, and they mm. just stay in the area. But they're all electric or they're CNG, and CNG stands for compressed natural gas. Yeah. Um, compressed natural gas is actually Believe it or not, um, the Toyota, they made a vehicle called the Toyota Miara. And a Toyota Miara is a hydrogen fuel cell operated vehicle where your byproduct, byproduct meaning what comes out of the exhaust, is water. It's it's runoff hydrogen. The, The byproduct of hydrogen is water. Wild. Okay. So, for instance. So what would the fuel be? The fuel would be hydrogen. And we have a garbage problem in this world. You burn garbage and you capture hydrogen gas. Yes. Okay. So there's, uh, for instance, in San Jose, there's a whole community that's powered by burning their own garbage. So they capture hydrogen gas that creates energy and clean energy for the HOA that they live in. Yes. In San Jose, California. Very cool. So, I mean, there's green alternatives, definitely, but we have 8 billion people that we need to convince. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the only problem. Like, yeah, there's well, people see, that- That's the thing is like, I don't think many of the people need convincing. Who you need to convince is the corporations and the fossil fuel investors and the people who have invested in the current system, who have monopolized- yeah the current system well, and thus also, will use that monopoly to resist structural fundamental change. Definitely. No. And that's the thing that sucks is because see, once they found oil, fuck man, it was fucking gung ho from there. Yeah. And that's, and that, and that sucks, man. Like, I mean, shit, we got a bunch of fracking 
around here. There's so much fracking in Southern California. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. How rich can this damn oil still be? Fuck. Like, <laughs> well, apparently like the much? U.S. has, the U.S. is actually very rich in oil. Yeah, because we haven't really been using it. it. Yeah, and we've been exporting it from other countries and, and you know, doing all that. But with oil, do you think, like, they're always going to have to make gas. Like, there's always, like, we're never not going to not have gas, right? Like, Yeah, we're always going to fart. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's always going to be something going out. But then isn't there that whole theory where, like, also, too, with deforestation and all that, like, that's also sped up the process because you have less trees that can uh, absorb the carbon dioxide? Yeah, man. I mean, it, like, you're, you're taking out the lungs of the, of the planet. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, the, the amount of nitrogen or carbon or one of those that the trees are Met- able to methane is number two i don't know how many people know that but methane is the number two greenhouse gas methane is number two and, and that's that, why that's why a lot of people um you know go vegetarian for exactly for environmental exactly. reasons because well then also to marcelo there's there's methane pockets underneath all the ice and and it's trapped in earth there's a team of scientists in alaska that go over frozen lakes and they burst open the lake beds and they ignite the methane right when it comes up to the surface before it can reach the the atmosphere and go into the and into the ozone layer and they fucking have a propane torch and the guy they fucking sit there and they drill down and then you they claim that they feel the pressure and they know when it's coming and it's so strong and the reason why it's so strong is because this methane is coming from the ice age and this methane is coming from all of the animals that got frozen in all of their bodies that decomposed under the ice all the methane gas is trapped in these lakes in russia alaska yeah uh, all these yeah and like there's literally a team of scientists in Russia and Alaska and throughout the Arctic Circle, Greenland, Iceland, you name it. And they all they do all day is pop methane pockets underneath the ice. I believe it, man. I you know, it. and that that that's another thing too. Like, I don't think I don't think what's also like I think what's also leading to more destruction is um like people not addressing the other 14 greenhouse gases that go with carbon dioxide carbon dioxide yes being the predominant one but we also have to eliminate the the other 14 and about eight or nine of them are pretty easy to do yeah and you know it's also crazy in america that a lot of greenhouse gases come from all the leaking um fracking and oil pipes in wyoming and colorado and that general area yes isn't that you don't hear anybody talking about that like did you learn anything about like when when you were going to school for all this like with oil and like what you can do with the environmental degree that you have to kind of like like you said you don't want to be a voice but can you push to get things like okay like let's draw our attention towards this like there's people that live in this community that are like huffing in this gas like that's not good yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of that work and a lot of that attention, um, a lot of the organization is done by local residents um, yeah. who who demand whether they receive it or not is up to, uh, you know, it's up to the companies or up to the, the state or the local county. But they are the ones who 
bring themselves together, who coordinate. And it's see, and that's the thing is like, I, it's easy for people who get educated with a master's degree and whatever to be like, I want to be the voice of the people in Flint, Michigan, who are suffering from, you know, from unclean water. Like, I want to I want to represent up. them. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be representing them because you have no fucking clue what's going on there. They have the clue. Damn. They know what they want to do. Right. Yeah. And so when it comes to these, the it's a lot of these communities, a lot of the people around the mountains that are being fracked in, um, it's and almost always indigenous people are kicked off of their land. Um, well, you know, I act for for pipelines or I for fracking. A, I just had burn the wagon on a recent episode, and he had touched on a topic talking about how it's fucked because well, he's native. And he expressed to me that pretty much they were pushed to those lands, right? Mm-hmm. They were pushed there unwillingly, you know? And at the time, they thought that they were kind of bringing them down. They had no resources. They couldn't fish. They couldn't hunt. But then all of a sudden, the government's like, wait, we can profit through these lands? Yeah. Oh, fuck. You know? And he had, I, I understood it. But once he explained it to me like that, I'm like, okay, that's why they're there. Of course. The government's there to fucking, they already put you there and already fucking took everything from you. Now they figure, oh shit, we gave them some shit. We got to make sure we get our money out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, so crazy. And one sickening part, and I, you, you know, he might have touched on this, but is the fact that their ability almost, you know, in many, t- in many instances, their ability to retain their means of existence retain their their traditions of life whether it be hunting fishing gathering farming planting migrating many times within the treaty that the u.s government signed with with these with these peoples with these native peoples get violated once they realize that there's that they can capitalize on natural resources that they made the choice of forcing these people onto these. Well, that's like the people. same. That's almost like the same shit. Like how America took Hawaii. Like Hawaii was already established like nation and like province and like had their own like prime minister. Like Hawaii was pretty much taken. Like, yeah. T- taken by Hawaiians. <laughs> no, no. Hawaii is damn near like another version of native American, like, and paint and, and and pillaging and plundering. Leah oh, had oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Leah I mean, had learned that pretty much like Hawaii was like a, a very successful nation from like the eighteen like tens, eighteen twenties up until about like the nineteen twenties or nineteen thirties. And then shit started getting weird and like we found out and then we put like a a base there and then yeah, by military put, base. Yeah, by us putting Pearl Harbor, there was some shit they signed that could but oh, it's ours now. Thanks. Like it's like what, America? Like that's been the most recent takeover in my eyes. Like, I don't know. Did they take some shit we don't know about after that? Well, um, you could argue that uh, our actions in the Middle East have been imperialistic. For yeah. Oil. Well, well, yeah. Are we still over there? What's the deal with that? Like, America is still in the Middle East. Like, why are we over there? Well, there's some residual forces left in Afghanistan, I believe. 
And uh, that's just because they think they have to be there to keep the Afghani people safe, correct? Well, the Taliban is in full control of, of Afghanistan at the moment. Yeah, and ISIS, does ISIS still exist? I, I am not entirely sure. I want to say yes. If not, if not then, but some form of radical... Some uh, radicalization is still wreaking havoc on the streets of Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, the thing is, like, all the, the, the reason that these countries are in such a state is because of colonial powers, right? Is yeah. because the UK, the French, and America were, like, trying to take the resources and occupy this land and we're making decisions drawing lines making marking territories with no concept of what history had been going on here of what of which people sided with who of of, of the allies of the traditions of and you know they were just drawing lines and we're like oh you get that piece and you get that chunk because that's how it was and that's a lot of the reasons um that's why world war one started with africa you know they were they were cutting it apart and deciding who was owning which part of the continent. And um, very similar things happened in the Middle East. Uh, and that's why Israel is looked down on by so many by so many Arab people is because they're seen as like a Western colonial power. Yeah. A, a, a success of the U.S. and that we have an ally to, to support our capitalist um, endeavors. Definitely. Yeah. No, it's just very unfortunate, you know, with what's going on in the world. But um, with the whole environmental thing, it's just like, hopefully we can get back on track <laughs> with what we got going. But was there anything that you did, like when you were obtaining your degree, um, like any classes that you took that were very environmentally like fueled or like, were there some pretty like hardcore, like eye opening, like lectures that you did while obtaining this degree? Uh, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, basically, um, I had a completely different perception of food, uh, that happened. Um, so, okay, let's, we'll switch gears here. So we're just a little environmental and food. I like where this is going. Just remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are out here with Marcelo, the master's degree <laughs> Arizona State. I hope everybody's got their notebooks out. I told you we're about... You know, about half hour into the show today, and I feel like we just covered a lot, a lot of great topics and a lot of good information. But now it seems like we got the environmental twist with food. So yeah. let's let the man's do his thing. Just uh, let's let him tell him. So when you say, "Okay, you had a different view," like was it how food was grown? Uh, yeah, we- yeah. I learned a lot about how food was grown um, historically. And uh, modern day, you know, the differences. Yeah, and, and just different techniques and how agriculture has progressed from what it was to now what it is today. Yes, yeah, yeah. That transition from, you know, really uh, sustenance farming for farming for what you need to eat and hey, just like our boy out to survive. Just like our boy out in Santa Cruz. Remember his slogan? Dude, yes. You want to say it for me? No, you got it. Okay, here we shout go. Him shout him out. Shout out to fucking the Froth King, fucking Garrett. Hope you're doing well, buddy. But yeah, yeah we had we had we had a bro, me and Marcelo, uh, back in the cruise, 
in a little story time. We'll get back on the, the information here. But uh, shout out to Garrett, man. Fucking farmer. Fucking yes, Garrett Badano killing it. He's growing blueberries and kush. Dude, he's growing some of the bomb. I've, I've, I've gotten a tray of blueberries from Adam through Garrett and have gotten some little, like, littles, like popcorn. They had, they literally, it was funny. One year they grew, like, blueberry OG. No, no blue- way. <laughs> yeah, so I remember me and him, we were smoking some blueberry and we were eating blueberries from that fucking farm. Shout out, Garrett. Farmer fucking die, motherfucker. And it is the truth because if you don't farm, we're all going to fucking die like exactly exactly so farming, let's let's if, shout out his farm uh, the man. coastal moon blueberry farm yeah um, out in Wa- they're out in watsonville california out in watsonville they got, yeah they got it they grow fully sustainable it's funny they do uh it's beyond organic do, well it's they it's they don't they switch it up if i'm if i remember correctly they do cush during the cush season and then blueberries grow during the winter so they fill their fields with blueberries in the wintertime I believe so. Yeah, so these these people got a good thing. It's a it's a certified farm, and they sustainable. grow cush, sustainable. They grow they grow blueberries and cush. So when there ain't cush in the ground, there's blueberries in the ground, and when there ain't blueberries in the ground, there's cush in the ground. I got to be honest; those are two of my my favorite things. You know what? I fucking um I actually had the chance to eat. Uh, I think Adam had. I still have a photo, man. Shout out Adam, a hot sixteen surfer. I'll forgive him, remember. But True, fucking, Adam. It, Adam. Yeah, his IG, no, his fucking IG got hacked. So he pretty much kind of not, like, he just kind of said, fuck social media. So we're still, we still got Adam on the team. Don't worry. Shout That's out Adam. Adam Reppenhagen, surfer, my surfer out of Santa Cruz, California. Um, I got Mercutio X out of uh, Pomona. Or not Pomona, sorry, San Bernardino. Coming out of San Bernardino. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be announcing here pretty soon coming up. I'm going to be announcing some new uh, sponsorships, some new things coming out on the show. We're going to be interviewing them. It's going to be lit. But we kind of just had a little shout-out moment really quick. We're just kind of having a good time. We're having a vibe, like always. Heck, yeah, we got a vibe, dog. Hey, it's Hot 16s. Your host, AJ Tainer, a.k.a. PBP, painting bigger pictures. We out here with Marcella Lomeline. A uh, very smart individual, and we're gonna dive right now. We're gonna dive back in to talking about how his degree changed his view of food. So this is gonna be a good way to really ride out the the show. I hope everyone's having a great time so far. So here we go. So let's let's whip it around. So Marcelo, you had told me <laughs> you had told me that pretty much you have a different view of food and how it was grown, this and that. Well, how are you now eating your food? Are you more cautious when you purchase your products? Do you look at labels? Do you want to grow your own food? Maybe grow your <laughs> own, maybe maybe grow your own kush. Like, is there something that really touched you with what you had said to me prior? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, can I can I say something on kush for a little bit? Just uh, a quick side note. Yeah, on kush. I like 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 uh, kush. Since, since it's been brought up. So, do you know why it's called marijuana? Marijuana? No, and you're a history major, so I gotta learn this. We're gonna learn something fun. Well, I'm this a big... is just a quick little, a little. No, that's bit. fine. This is history lesson with you, man. That's why we got you on here. I'm, I told everybody to get their notebooks and their pens out. Class <laughs> is now in session. <laughs> okay, class. New lesson. This is why marijuana is called marijuana. Marcelo, yeah, yeah, so entice the stoner crowd. Because before, obviously, I mean, it was called by various names, but most commonly it was called cannabis. 
Um, yes. And why was it called cannabis? I think that's that's the that's the Latin that's the Latin name for it. Um, cannabis. So where is like the Latin? Where are the root words there to put cannabis of like on land? Ah, oh, dude, I, you know I, I, that's a little too deep for me. I gotta uh, be real. You're a, see, you're a his, you're a history major, not an English major. Yeah, I, if you want the etymology of cannabis, he cannot provide that. But he is going to tell us why marijuana is called. But marijuana. yeah, yeah. So during the whole reefer madness thing in like that thirties and the 20s. yeah, where they're like, oh, you'll fucking get all high and jump out a window or some shit. Yeah, it's like the devil's lettuce and. Uh, Fuck yeah, dude. I'm fucking about to rip a bowl of it right now. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well. Talking about Kush. Yeah, right? We gotta we gotta celebrate. And um so in order to associate it with uh Latin Americans, they changed the name into Meduano. Well, my in dad order, in order to create more of like a direct sociological link to yeah. to to immigrants who had come because a lot of the original strains well from what i've learned in my time in mendo and growing kush is you had a lot of the strains well they come from like india but then a lot of other original strains come from the peninsula of mexico yeah um i guess because indigenous americans were so keen on smoking tobacco yeah um i i, I wrote one of my theses about it the way that it was just inherently part of the culture i mean and well yeah tobacco well, was found from it was the one seed found from the tip of southern chile all the way up to the very northern tip of alaska um, natural native tobacco yes so is that how just so i can understand this on a history perspective i i have some smokes in front of me like we everyone today wouldn't have their nicotine addiction if it wasn't for the discovery of the tobacco seed at the top of a tobacco plant or where would you get this seed yeah so i believe so if i remember correctly the very first tobacco plant originated in the mountains of chile the first ever like it a well original or out in south central and northern america no 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 no. this this was tobacco this was the only tobacco oh this is tobacco not 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 pot so the very first, or the very first Kush society was India, or at least um, uh, one portion of what we now know yeah, is in, India. India and Afghanistan. Yes, and uh, you know that's where Kush comes from. The term. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in an, in an attempt to criminalize marijuana or weed, uh, and to criminalize Latinos, particularly Mexicans. Um, it was called marijuana because for some reason Latinos, particularly Mexicans really fucked with me, really fucked with weed. They really liked it because we, uh, we already smoking tobacco pretty habitually. And, uh, and then Mex- you're like, yeah, let's start with weed with the tobacco this. was nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they already had methods of rolling up dried banana leaves and doing tobacco in various ways and, you know, incorporating weed into the smoking of it, into the pipes and stuff. Uh, it just seemed kind of like natural. And um, so, so pretty much they had the tobacco, they were smoking a bunch of it. And then they found like they found this weed out there and they're like, shit, let's fucking throw some of this on top of it. No, 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 no. Weed was brought. Weed was brought. So weed was brought on boats uh, from colonizers from India. No, from most likely African slaves who who had received it from from the Middle East. 
You know what would make sense there? Because even when I grow pot, you get if you get a hermaphrodite or you get some seedy weedy, as I'd call it, I guarantee one of those slaves on that boat had a bag of swag. Yeah. And, and yeah. they fucking dumped it out. Or because right now, I'm mean, shout out to my uncle. I'm sorry, but I dumped out a bag of shrimp in his backyard. Nice. And, no, and to this day, three and a half years later, he's still picking out starts out of his backyard <laughs> because it had a bunch of seeds in it. And then all these fucking things popped off with a bunch of pollen. Half of them were male, half of them were female. So more pollen started spreading and more seeds dropping. And I pretty much infested my uncle's backyard with uh, uh, hempervatus, which is ditch weed. So once well, you dude, get... That's, that's why it's called weed, man. That's why it's called weed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weed. Dude, that makes sense. Oh my god, this is so cool. Continue. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Europeans had no concept of smoking. Is that why white people hate weed so much? <laughs> okay. Well, no, 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 no. But but the 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 whole why it's named marijuana thing is associated with the criminalization of brown and black people as a way to uh, separate the whites from the other, right? Uh, yeah. You are not American. I am American. I belong here. You, do you fucking don't get out of here. Yeah. Despite the fact that I stole this land and killed and raped, uh, you know, like millions of people to get it. But but you don't belong here. Despite the fact that you were here first. This is not your land. You're an immigrant. <laughs> you well, that's what I, mean? what I actually learned. This is like crazy that I even learned this because I no one has ever taught me this. I taught myself this. The War of Mendocino. War of Mendocino. It, w- it was in the 1850s, and it was when, like, pretty much, like, California had become a state in, like, 1850. And yeah. it wasn't, like, the state we know today in terms of the territory. And I learned where I grew up in my county with Pomos and natives that pretty much there was a war. And there was a team of generals in a small army that pillaged and plundered the land out there. And it was one, it has been noted as one of the most like, like inhumane, like it was just, well, it's in comparison to this. And what I'm trying to get at is, is there was a leader who was funded by the government. Okay, I don't know who the fuck the president was in 1850, but pretty Mm -hmm. much just like how we know today, like with the Pentagon. You don't get more money unless you spend that money. Right. Right, right. So that rule still applied way back then. And so that like these militia groups were heavily funded by the U.S. government, even after the colonization and the ratification of California becoming the state in 1850, the government funded up until like 18, like 56 or 57 or something like that. Uh, maybe 1860, even before the Civil War, they mm-hmm. were funding just this pillage and plundering of the Pomo people where I'm from. And it was known as the War of Mendocino, and it went on for many years. And it was the, um, yeah, and it was the tribes where I grew up, near where I grew up uh, around, the tribes I grew up around, they were fighting to keep their land. And they got fucking pretty much under a thousand people in the in the tribe and it was about like 80 or 90,000 if I'm not mistaken wow. um, at, at like a strong point and yeah they got under a thousand people and I think they're about maybe like 
three or four thousand strong now in modern day. Still, though, I mean, that's devastating. Exactly. And it's just crazy because I just kind of wanted to learn about my county and where I grew up. And that was something that I kind of dug up. And I was like, damn, the War of Mendocino is a documented war on U.S. territory against Native Americans and the U.S. government up near the Covalo region in Mendocino. Look it up. And and, and look it up. And that's the thing is like, if you're, if you grow up around that area, that should be part of your, your schooling. Well, we learned about Fort Ross and the fucked up thing about that is we learned about colonization. Russia mm-hmm. had a, had a, a fort where in the 18, like forties, the Russian, you know, Russia thought, okay, well how, you know, back in the day when you're still getting around on a boat in the ocean and you're yeah. landing, Oh, Hey, fair trade, blah, 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 blah. You know, like how it was <laughs> before the industrial revolution, dude, Russia legitimately in California for 50 years had a colony called Fort Ross and they would trade with native Americans, but it was colonization. So oh, it's yeah. like, that's something that we learned about was Fort Ross, but it was fucked. And pretty much like the Russians have this little base. And I learned, too, that the, the, the Native Americans had lived underground in like these like dug out, burrowed like homes. What? Yeah, dude. And there's still like remnants of them, like where they dug out and they would cover and they would live underground because it had gotten to a point where it was just not a good thing going on. And so the native it's not safe to be outside. Yeah. So the native Americans houses outside of the colony of the, of the Russians of Fort Ross, they burrowed down underneath into these fucking things that they built underground. And talk about resiliency. Yeah. And then one thing we did learn about though, too, is when we were doing the whole, like that whole thing with like Fort Ross is like, we had different groups. We had militia, we had hunters, we had gatherers, we had artisans. We had like, like we were 10 years old and they were trying to like show us like, this is how life was. And we even like our teachers assigned us, they got a list of names of people that died at Fort Ross. And we, yeah. And we were all assigned a name. And we all had to make these journals, how they used to make them back in the 1840s. And you take paper, some of the original pulp paper recipes. And then what they would do is they would make one and then they would crinkle up and over and over and over again to make the book cover. And so what we wow. did is like we learned how to make this glue from scratch. And we fucking took all these pages and we took like a brown paper bag and we crumpled it up a bunch. Dude, and made, what? Yeah. And we made these journals. And so throughout the year, though, bro, which was really even interesting, we had a, cl- a class currency in our fourth grade class, and we had rubies, which was a Russian currency in the 1800s. And our teacher would print out the, the, these things, and we would have this, like, store between the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders where we could go and we would bring things. Like, dude, people would bring dolls and video games and, like, we would literally – we had this store, but we would pay. But then our teachers taught us what you're doing right now. Look at that piece of paper with a number on it has value. Right. They taught us in fourth grade that this $100 bill is the same thing as what you're doing right now. And I thought that that was one of the greatest lessons I ever got when I was under 10 years old was our teachers being like, yeah, let's fucking show them how fucked this shit is. (laughs) Because that piece of paper, that piece of paper was worth the same amount as a piece of paper in my teacher's wallet. Right. And he literally had us on this cash system, these, these rubies, these Russian rubies, whatever the currency was back in the 1800s. Rubles? 
Rubles. There you go. Rubles. There you go. Rubles. And yeah. fucking, no, we even, dude, because we were so shysty and greedy, greed, we would go to copy stores in our town and we would, <laughs> and we would print these fucking things and then bring them to class like, yeah, I got hella shit. Oh, and then we little would, schemers. And then we would sell fakes. Dude. You, you could get like 100 rubles for like 50 rubles. So I would exchange fake rubles, well, already fake rubles for more fake rubles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All so that was fake. where the hustling came in for me, man. I remember like ninth, 10th grade, I was hustling kids. I was like the first one because my dad, his friend was the, the guy that owned the copy store in town. So I fucking would go with my dad when he would do these football pool things. And I'd be like, yeah, dude. Dave, fucking run it up. Like, copy these things. I fucking need to sell them for half of what they cost and then exchange them. For, like, damn, dude, I should just work in the stock market. Yeah, you probably should have. That's might might have been your true calling. It's crazy how we went from talking about, like, Native Americans and then Russian colonization and, and Fort Ross. And then now I'm like, yeah, we used to, I used to fucking punk kids with fake currency. <laughs> <laughs> yo, but that's what it's all about, though, here, man. We're just out here always vibing, having a good time. But yo, cello, cello like Jello, Marcelo, Mr. Lomalin. Now we got to start saying Mr. Lomalin, man. Oh, no, not even. Oh, this is just, Mr. Uh, just call me Marcelo MA. There we go. That's just or Marcelo. MS. MS Master yeah. of Science, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's out there. Well, you got your first, you got your your first degree from UC Santa Cruz, where I met you, and then you furthered your education at Arizona State University. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Yeah, yeah. So he's a- got my uh, got my undergraduate in history, and then my master's in justice. Yeah, very, very, very smart man with a lot to say. And you just you pretty much have heard it here. We out here, Marcelo. I just want to let you know that. You know, it's been a great time talking with you, laughing. And Heck like, yeah, man. It's a pleasure. We were, talk- we were talking about Kush, and, like, I guess they want to – they called marijuana because they just wanted to pinpoint it on criminals and, and, and pinpoint people. Well, you know, they wanted to put it on Latinos and Mexicans yeah. to make us appear as criminals to, to the established American populace. Yeah. For them to be threatened by us, right, because we're going to smoke weed and rape all their women, right? Uh-huh. Because, you know, that's what we do. Well, you don't. It's all good. We all know what the truth yeah, is. Yeah, so I think I'm going to smoke some weed and... No, I'm just kidding. No, it's all... <laughs> no, hey, man, we're all, we're all smoking weed out here. Did I pack a binger? I did. I think I did. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, but we're out here, though. This is uh, this is the, the next installment. I hope you guys have been enjoying the show. We're finally... We've hit double digits. We're finally getting these episodes out it feels really good dude like and i was telling you before we got on i was like dude like all these people start to hit me up and shit and like yes i know that like i was like i i told myself take time to get yourself out there because i tried to do this all last year or two years ago and i was like who the fuck do i know you know like I put myself out there. I, you I tried... know a lot of motherfuckers. Well, now I do. I mean, shit. I mean, you know me ever since I knew you, man. I know how to put myself. I know how to talk to people. I know how to network with people. It's something bro, I'm really bro, good the at. First time, the first time I met you, you were on the balcony of Max's room, literally throwing weed off the balcony at people, going like, "You like Kush? Take some weed." And I was like, "And that's facts, right there. That's that's facts." My <laughs> My my first ever time at UC Santa Cruz, I fucking show up 
and I got this fucking action packer just oh my god, it was so the biggest much. bag of weed I'd ever seen at that. Yeah, point. and I meet all these kids, Marcelo being one of them, out from LA, and dude, we I fucking what? I had an action packer with what? Probably ten pounds. Yeah, probably something. And so then I was like trying to be cool. I was 18. I was like, fuck, dude, I'm just going to go and throw Kush off this balcony. <laughs> and so I fucking was like literally had the thing by my feet and was grabbing little bags and stuff. And I'm hey, you like Kush? Here you go. Fucking yeah. yeah, dude. I literally I think I threw out like four or five bags. And then the, and then you guys were tra- starting to teach me about the CSOs. And you were all fucking just like, nah, dude, you can't be doing that. Fucking, you're going to get us rolled. I'm yeah. like, well, I was like, what? Free Kush. Like, <laughs> you're like, it's not just like the lay of the land where everyone has weed. <laughs> yeah, you know? So, yeah, that's a big fact. Shout out Marcelo for bringing that one up. I remember that, man. That was my first weekend down there. And you were kind of, it wasn't like you were standoffish, but then I remember we transitioned out into the Porter Meadows. Shout out to Porter Meadows, fucking 420 Fest, UC Santa Cruz. Yeah, Look yeah. up two pound joint. And yes, Janati. Janati, our boy Janati. Look up, he's fucking goaded legend. Shout out Porter Meadows. You fuck, you want to wonder how much fucking pot we smoke on this show? Well, there you fucking go. <laughs> there you fucking go. But I then we transitioned out to the field. And I remember I had the PVC fucking, uh, I had the acrylic, I had the acrylic binger with the PVC pipe extension and everyone, all you guys were like, who the fuck is this kid? We know he doesn't live with us. We know he does not go to school here. And then Max pops out of the woodworks and he's just all like, oh yeah, it's my friend from up north. He's staying for the weekend. And then in the middle of that, me taking a massive moke. And then it's just like, (laughs) you told me, I remember the first thing you ever said, the first thing this guy ever said to me, I want this to be put (laughs) on camera. It was like, dude, why is the smoke so yellow? I've never seen it like that before. (laughs) That was the First thing this guy says to me, and I'm all like, "Yeah, dude, you fucking milk dad, fucking milk it, yeah." <laughs> when fucking and he was did they were you know a little stand backish, but it's okay. We're still friends, you know. It took him some time to wrap around. Well, yeah, but yeah. It, well, it, the thing the thing was, uh, you were casually smoking tobacco out of the bong. Yeah, with and weed, everyone with was weed. like, "What the fuck?" And he's throwing weed in that shit. Like you guys, literally, no one had seen that shit. But and I okay, was like, it was a joke. To me, in my in my circle, it was a purely a comical ha ha ha. Oh yeah, throw some tobacco for in tobacco there, use only. That sticker that would be on the bongs. You oh know? my and, god! And it's you like, were, dude, you were, Matt, we would we would laugh out loud and be like, dude, imagine if someone smoked tobacco out of this bong. Like that'd be fucking crazy. I do it to this day. I'd be taking... lo and behold, homies are doing it and fucking love Dude, it. I'd be taking chokies <laughs> all the time, bro. You fucking fuck. Take a fucking chokey, dude. Straight tea. <laughs> fucking tea bowls. Fuck, I got fucked, dude. <laughs> fucking anybody that's gonna try and fucking step up to me with a binger, you better be ready. I'll fucking... <laughs> I'm smoking backy out of it. <laughs> I'll fucking smoke backwood guts. I don't even care. Like, decaf. I've... Shit, that, decaf. There you go. That's pressure right there. <laughs> decaf? <laughs> no, decaf. Oh, don't decaf. give a fuck. I... Where did I get decaf? I don't know, but that's funny as hell. See, there you go. It's pure <laughs> comedy. Oh, boy, yeah. We out here, though. So, yo, really quick, though, Marcelo, we're wrapping around towards the end. It's yes. been such a fun hour with you. Is there anybody that you want to shout out really quick before we uh, send you off on your merry way back to your lovely life? 
Well, I mean, I want to shout out PBP, Painting Bigger Pictures, Entertainer over here, holding it down, uh, doing what you love and never stopping. Uh, you, you're building a community pretty, pretty single-handedly. And uh, I, I respect the fuck out of you, man. I'm able to have pretty, incredible conversations with you. And, I know, uh, man. We always only get to talking, and I'm glad today people got to see that that uh that energy like and not not only is marcelo a guest but marcelo's a he's a good friend of mine so i'm gonna be doing more of these episodes where i'm bringing the homies on and like we get the homie vibe plus what they got going on you know i'm not just gonna make it all homie like they also <laughs> they're they're also out there trying to get their bread you know? yeah so, a thousand percent yeah and if, hey if anybody needs to hire the homie yeah if anybody wants a, a reason <laughs> <for> <laughs> If any nonprofit working in uh, sustainable housing, sustainable agriculture, uh, you know, community organizing, need a need a researcher, field researcher, data analyst, I'm, I'm there. And you heard him right there. That was Marcelo Lomeline, the goat, coming out and being on the Hot 16 show. Over the double digits of episodes. It's been so fun today. Like always, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody for giving me an hour of your time. You know, what, whatever you were doing, whether you were delivering, driving, catching a vibe, driving down the one, driving down the 101. It don't matter what it is. PVP, Hot 16s, Marcelo Lomeline. We're out here. It was a good time with y'all. Hell yeah. Uh, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, definitely. It's been it's shout been out great. To the and hot sixteen fam. Gee, shout out to the audience. You guys make this happen. You keep me motivated. You guys hit me up on the DMs. You message me. You give me feedback, which I always tell you I need it. So with this episode, this episode, <laughs> I need y'all to once again slide into my DMs. I need you to give me that encouragement. I need everybody to I don't need I shouldn't say that. That is very, very uh not a good thing to say. No, no, you would. Uh, I would appreciate it. it if everybody could give me some constructive criticism, like y'all been doing. Keep that going. It just gives me more input and more insight on what I need to improve on every day with the show. Uh, it gives me better insight on how to bring guests in. You know, like for instance, today wasn't a hip hop version. Today was a learning lesson brought to you in part by Marcelo and myself. Uh, we <laughs> shared a lot. We shared a lot of topics today. It was really great. And I hope I hope you learned something. Yeah, I hope so too. And uh, I hope to come uh, you have me back on soon, bro. Oh, we'll have you definitely back on and hopefully we can uh we can get some we can do like I was thinking too cuz with y'all cuz fuck we're just so funny cuz I'm going to be doing a fantasy football episode here pretty soon on my fantasy league. So nice. I was thinking maybe on one of our poker nights we could do a fucking uh, a, a poker night podcast episode and I just put the fucking mic right in the middle of the fucking poker table. That'd be and, cool. And we just rip it and we just do like a hour to two hour episode of just pure comedy that'd be fun yeah, yeah. i'd be down with that cool man well it's been a pleasure man i'm gonna let you go i'm gonna let my audience go yeah uh, we'll, we'll definitely for stay in time. touch we'll do our thing um i'm really proud of you man and hot 16s all the way to the top baby here we go oh, yeah. peace everybody have a good one nothing but love Cheers.